testing one two we're on the air here <coughs> well it's good to see uh, again everyone that has returned for what we call our afternoon service we're going to take our bibles we're going to go to first peter chapter five. First peter chapter five once again we are uh, going through our list of things that we as a church believe and i want to be very careful uh, with what we are studying today in fact, many years ago, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but I helped uh, host a program called the Baptist Voice Broadcast. And uh, our, the pastor of the church asked me, because of my voice, if I'd be so kind to do the radio announcements, and I enjoyed every moment of it. But the one thing that I learned a long time ago is that whenever you have a particular topic like what we're looking at today, to make sure you don't end the topic with the subject matter. Now, we're going to be looking at who is Satan. This is part one. Who is Satan, part one. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read a little bit about what we read here in the Word of God. Let us begin, shall we? The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resisted fast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your, in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that you have suffered a while, make ye perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're going to be taking our passage from verse 9. It says, Whom resist steadfast in knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We are speaking on today on who is Satan. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding that is in the world, and I, as a pastor, I do not want us to have that misunderstanding. One of the things that I'm very careful on is how well that we understand the adversary that we have. We have two adversaries that's going on in this life. Number one, I have the deep of the flesh that I will constantly battle. But I also have the failures and the temptations and the struggles that Satan will always bring my way. Do you realize that Satan studies us, his, his demons, if you will, are ever watching our every mood. He knows what sets us off. 
He knows what causes us to trip. He knows our failures. He knows everything about us. And yet, many times what we realize, what we don't realize is that we don't give enough credit where Satan is due. I want to show you something that a lot of people have a great heartache with, if you will. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45, and let's go down to verse 7. Isaiah 45, verse 7. I want to make sure that everybody is there. Because this is from the book that, as we made mention of in our earlier service, that is very similar to the things that we study and learn together as a congregation in regards to uh, how that the book of Isaiah seems to be, because of the 66 chapters, and a demonstration of everything that is written in the New Testament. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do these things. Now, I want to stop there for a moment. How many of us allow that teaching to enter into our mind that God allows evil to exist and he actually created the evil? Now, let this sink in for a moment. That is a very pertinent question. If you do not agree with that, there are several verses you need to mark out of the Bible. Because our God has the ability to create evil doesn't make him evil at all. Let me show you another verse. We're going to get into this a little bit later. Let's take the book of Genesis. We're going to go to chapter 2. And I want us to go down to verse 17. And we all know this verse. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. If God did not understand every little aspect of evil, why then was there a tree that was called the tree of knowledge of good and evil? The reality is, we don't understand every little aspect of why God did the things that he has done. But for us to say that God cannot do something limits God in the scope of his abilities. Now there's a lot of things that God has. We know that he's omnipresent. We know that he's omni-knowledge. We know that he is omnipotent. In other words, he's omnipotent, he's, he's uh, omniscient, he's also omnipresent. And so because of that, we understand the power of God and his abilities. Satan isn't any of those things. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, all they have that characteristic. But Satan does not bear with it. But by the time that we're done today, I hope that I have a complete characteristic of what Satan has done and how that we should understand him in the world which we live in. Now understand this. I am not challenging Satan. Many years ago I understand that there was a preacher that said, you know, come on Satan, give me your best shot. And this was a preacher of like faith and order. He said, come on, Satan, give me your best shot. And Satan didn't give him his best shot. He gave him a shot. And when that shot came, he failed. And, and because of that failure, the entire congregation also failed. May I point this out to you? We are not able to stand against the wiles of the devil on our own. But we're able to stand as long as we are insteeped as long as we're in debt, as long as we are alongside in everything in Jesus Christ.
So today as we begin, I want us to look at what the scripture teaches us regarding Satan and everything that is there. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Father, I have a great respect for the things that are written in the Word of God. And Lord, I declare that there's many things I don't understand. But I pray, Father, that you will help me to be able to be a preacher of the entire counsel that you would give to us. Help us then, dear Father, to know the truth of the things that you have written. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful in all that we say and do, and guide us that we might be used of you in a very strong and powerful way. Lord, I, I don't know if it's of the flesh. I don't know if the Spirit is calling me to do certain things. But this I do know, as long as I am in your word, I have a great responsibility to understand who you are, what you have given for us, and Lord, how that your power is to make us holy and righteous unto your name. So guide us, I pray, Father, and lead and bless, and may we follow in you. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. I want to begin in a most unusual place. I want us to go to the book of Titus. And in the book of Titus, we're going to go to chapter 1. I'll see if I can get ahead of you all there just a little bit. And in the book of Titus, chapter 1, we find a particular message that is in regards to the, the pastor and the responsibility that is given to him. Look what it says in Titus, chapter 1, and let's go down to verse 9. Now, once again, I want you to look with me, if you will. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able to, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Now, I bring that verse up, and I actually have it in my notes from the previous sermon, but I want you to think about this for a moment. I am a lone pastor. And while there are many pastors that are out in this world and they study and they learn and they grow from the things that are, that, that are written in the Word of God, there are things that we as a pastor have to be assured of ourselves. I had an interesting message that was sent to me via Facebook. And it was in regards to one preacher. And again, I'm not arguing with this preacher. I don't want to do that. The reality is, he said, if we are taking our sermons from somebody else, then we should, we are not really giving ourselves to May I point this out to you? There are things that I struggle with over and over again. I have used helps. I have used studies. I have talked to other preachers. I have done everything in my power to have a better grasp and understanding of the Word of God. What he says is true in this fashion. If we are not dedicated to the Word of God, then we are going to be failures. No matter how we look at it, we're going to fail. Now, may I point this out to you? Satan is ever echoing in our ears, God can't, God can't, God can't, God can't. And yet, if we are listening very carefully, God can. God can. But God chooses to control himself. May I point this out to you? And this is a great particle, if you will. Let's go to the book of Malachi. And, of course, we looked at Zechariah a little bit earlier. But the book of Malachi. And let's go down 
and let's make sure we have a good understanding what God has in his abilities to control, even beyond what I'm able to do. Let's go to verse 5 of Malachi chapter 3. And it says, And I will come to you to judgment, and I will against the sorcerers, and against the adulterers, and against the false women, and in his wages, the widow, the father, and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. And this is, again, the great ability of God to say, I will call into question all these individuals. Look at verse 6. For I It seems like in the world which we live in, and we're going to go back to the book of Genesis, so you can be turned back there right now, that in the world which we live in, a lot of let that sink in. If they did not know evil, he could not create this tree. Satan did not create this tree. Now I've had a lot of people that they say, oh, Let me just talk there. Just let me stop there for a moment. When God created the heaven, one of the first questions that a lot of times comes up to me is, "How much time did it take?" And you know, they don't like my answer when I say, "No time." No time. The reason is, God created the heaven without the existence of time, because time was made for man and this planet. We're going to see that also in just a moment, the Lord's willing. But in heaven, he created everything in divine order. And one of the first things that he created in the divine order was that he allowed everything to be done as he sees fit. And it is worded for us to grab it. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. And, and again, I want to be very careful how far I take this message. But I want you to think about this for a moment. What if the first creature that he made was Satan? What if the very first creature that he made was Satan? Do you realize that in every aspect, 
Satan has tried to convince the world that he is a God. Not the God, a God. When we think about God, we know that he is three persons. One God, three persons. I know it goes even beyond mathematical genius. But the reality is, is that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all But no every imaginable evil god that there is. And they really create a heaven, uh, if you will, a heaven of torment. Let, let this sink in for a moment. How many of you have ever studied Hercules? How many of you have ever studied the, the you know, all the, the Greek gods to where the sun was born upon earth? Do you realize that even the Greeks and the Romans had their paganism, their mythology, long before Jesus Christ was ever born? And yet, the reality is, this goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 10 and 11, where you have Semiramis, where she made the declaration that I now have a God in my stomach, I am a virgin, even though she had also married her own son, and the name of this child is going to be Tammuz. And as you continue on in the study, people wanted to say, oh, there was a earthly God. So let's go to Hercules. Let's go to, you know, if you will, let's go back down to all of the different ones that were there. Every earthly god that was ever created was had a god that was up in heaven, came down and impregnated a woman. Is that not exactly what we read in the book of Luke chapter 1? Except that the Holy Spirit impregnated the woman. And so then the struggles became for this one God on the earth to figure out who he was. May I point this out to you? Oh, how, how, how cruel it is. But God knew exactly what he was doing. Now we're going to see if that's not true or not. Look at this. If God created Satan first, then he could convince every wicked creature around him that he was a God just like God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's see if that's not true. Take your Bibles, and let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. Lord, again, I pray that you will help me, and that you will guide me in everything that I show. In Isaiah, chapter 14, I want us to go down, if you will, to verse 12, and look what it says. And how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Let me stop there for a moment. One of the things that I have discovered, you know, as I've visited other churches of, you know, some of them are like faith and order, some of them, most of them are not of like faith and order, but here's the thing they're wanting to point out. They want to say that there is no such thing as Satan. How many of y'all know that that's a real thing right now? But that there are many demons, and the many demons also look back to Satan. Well, here's the thing that's interesting. Even God in his word says that there was an angel who was fallen from grace. But let's learn a little bit about, about him. His first name used to be called Lucifer. In verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou 
down to the ground which did weaken the nations. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt thy throne above the stars of God. I will set uh, also in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. How many of y'all see Satan in this? How many of y'all can see Satan's words? Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell and to the sides of the pit. They that, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake the kingdoms? Once again, I want you to see this, that Satan in himself has exalted. Let's turn, and here's the way I remember this. If I can remember that Ezekiel chapter 14 is also about Satan, then I can remember also Ezekiel because it's twice 14, which is 28. So go to Ezekiel chapter 28. And let's go to Ezekiel chapter 28, and there we see even more concerning Satan. Ezekiel chapter 28, and let's go down to verse 12. See, my pages will get unstuck here. Ezekiel chapter 28, down to verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou the son beauty. Now, may I point this out to you? Satan was beautiful. They said that in the garden, when you go back in and you look at the serpent, there was nothing as cunning and as beautiful as Satan. His words were immense. His abilities to connive and to deceive and to take the innocence of man and convince him that there is no innocence with God. Convince him of those things. It's amazing to me. Look what else it says. Thou hast been in Eden in the garden of God. Every person stone. you think about this for a moment. How does Satan draw so many people to himself? He does it like the Pied Piper. He does it with music. Now understand this. I love music. I love, uh, to me, I, I enjoy not only the, the classical songs, the, the Overture of 1812 is one of my favorite pieces, but how many of you all know that Bach really struggled to understand the harmonies of God. He wrote a song that called, called The Sheep Go Peacefully Grazing. The Joy of Man's Sorrows. All of those things were done to literally lift up the tablets to God. If you ever want to hear classical pieces, go do that. But here's the hard part. Many of the songs we sing are not in the same respect to the things of God that they should be. We, we add words, but we don't even consider that the Scripture should be our words. And yet we are told one to another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, the depth of the Scriptures. Now, I understand. The more that I study the Scriptures, the more I don't want to be like Satan. And it grieves me that I have to study these things. But for the good of the church... For the good of the people that are listening, there should be this warning that comes out about who Satan is. 
Look what, what it says in verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Satan was created. He was not a god to begin with. Till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitudes of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. I will... Thine heart... reason of thy brightness, I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries with the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and thou will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. This is going to happen. This is written in the book of Ezekiel. This is going to happen. We're going to see Satan as he is. It's not going to happen until the end of the book of Revelation. But we shall see him as he is. Now I want us to turn back, if you will, and I want us to consider, if you will, when all of these things happen. Let's go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, and look at verse 1 again. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I had a lot of people ask me, well, when did Satan get cast to the earth? If you listen to um, Ken Ham, and there's nothing wrong with what Brother Ken Ham has stated, he actually believes it was after Genesis chapter 1. He actually points out that somewhere between Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, we begin to see Satan come up on the earth. I actually believe that Satan was cast upon the earth between Genesis 1 and 2, chapter 1, verse 1, and chapter 1, verse 2. And here's the reason that I believe that. Number one, notice the condition of the earth that we see. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Anytime you see the word darkness, understand that this is in reference to who Satan truly is. Let's see if that's not true. Let's go to the book of Ephesians, and let's go to chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If I can get over there real quick. There we go. Big Bible, lots of pages. And I want us to go down to verse 12, okay? For we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers of the rulers of darkness. Now I want you to let that sink in. Of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. The first mention of darkness is actually shown to us in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 2. Every time that you see darkness, it is a reflection of who Satan is. Do you realize that when God creates the new heaven and the new earth, there is no mention of darkness? Why is that so? Because it said it's done away with. Let this sink in for a moment. Here's the other thing that is there. It also tells us that the earth was without form and was void. Let's turn to, if you will, to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. And let's go down to verse 44. John, chapter 8, verse 44. 
Look what else it says. Ye are of your father the devil. The lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Also turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now I realize that I, I've given you a lot of verses, and I hope you're writing some of these down. You're welcome to any of my notes at any time to see if they will be of a help to you. And let's go down to verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. When we think, see the earth confused and challenged and void, that is a picture of Satan. God is not the author of confusion. What does it say? The author of our faith is Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. But of peace, as in all churches of the saints. So my direction to you all is this. He is the prince of darkness. He is the prince of the void or of the, of the wickedness, the confusion that is in the world. And he is also the prince and the power of the air. Once again, let's take our attention and let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 2. And let's look at verses 1 and 2. And you have he quickened. In other words, we have been brought out of darkness. We have been brought out of evil. And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So once again, all of this is a, a, a description of what Satan is able to do. So one of the questions that comes up to me a lot of times is, when was Satan finally cast out? And I want you to see something that was interesting. The book of Revelation, if you will, let's go to chapter 12. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, I'll get over there in just a second. And it says, if you will, uh, the, the, the passage that we want to look at is uh, in, I'll find it here in just a second. Well, we can read the whole thing. Let's go to verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon the head a crown of twelve stars. That is a representation of Israel. And she being a child cried, travailing in, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head, and his tail drew the third part of the stones of heaven, and it cast him to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour the child as soon as it was born. We're going to be looking at that in just a moment, how much that Satan tried to destroy Jesus even before he was born. And she brought forth a man-child who, uh, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God into his throne. Once again, Acts chapter 1. And the woman fled into the wilderness, being Israel, where she hath placed prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and thirty score days. Now, I, I wish I could give you more. But the reality is, is that everything that we're seeing thus far is a depiction of what Satan is able to do. But I want to go back, if you will, to Genesis chapter 2 
And I want you to see this with me, if you will. God gives his word. Well, let's go to chapter 3, and I want you to see what I'm talking about. In Genesis chapter 3, we begin to see the presence of Satan in the form of a serpent as he approaches Eve in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Look what it says. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Let me just point this out to you. Satan's way of trying to confuse God's people will always be to say, God cannot do something. Did you notice that at the very beginning, I established that God created Satan. God created evil. God knows evil. But here in the beautiful thing, God made man, but he did not make man evil. That was a choice of man. Now, here we have Satan, and he's demonstrating all the evil, but what is he going to do? He's going to subtly try to grab hold of the woman and bring her into his clutches. Now, I want you to get this. This is not a shock to God, and this is not a surprise to God. How do I know that? Look at verse 17 of chapter 2. In the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 17, it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he created it, he planted it, it was in his garden. Now, now did he say if or when? Reality is, is God knew that, that Adam was going to eat of this very fruit. And so God was not surprised by the example of Adam. But here's the thing that was interesting. It wasn't Satan trying to approach Adam. He did so by trying to approach Eve. Notice what, what the woman said. And this is a direct re response to what she had been taught by Adam. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge, uh, the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither touch it, lest you die. Once again, she has added to the word of God. We've got to be very careful when we add anything to the word of God. And so Satan then takes what she says to her, and he twists it around. And look what he says. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. You know, here's what scared me. As I was going over these notes, I was thinking about this for a moment. When John was in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, when he was told about the book, and that there was no man worthy to break the seals thereof, it says that John wept. Do you know why I think John wept? Because the evil of this world was too much for him. I, I wish I could tell you all what it does to me. I, I, I go up and down Huntington. I love this little town. I love Huntington. I love Ashland. I love South Point. All, all, this whole area. And as I've given up Huntington, my eyes have been opened to the ugliness. How many times have I tried to talk to someone, you don't need that marijuana cigarette. 
oh, there's no harm in it, then put it away. Well, why? It's my right to do it. No, it's not your right. They will argue against the wholeness of marijuana. And yet, have you ever looked in the eyes of someone who's on marijuana? There's a daze that's in their eyes. There's an escape that's in their eyes. Just like it's, it's worse than alcohol. Because the fact of the matter is, when they come off of it, they want more of it. They don't want to see reality for reality's sake. The second part is, the burning of the houses in Huntington, 90%, I believe, of the houses that burn, this is Mike's own estimate, are directly caused because of homeless that will not work, but they will do everything in their power to get a little bit more drugs in their system. To escape the reality of where they're at, so they don't have to listen to the hope of God. Instead, they want to look for the hope that Satan provides to them. And yet Satan does not give them any hope. Look what else it says. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. Do you realize that Satan said, my eyes have been opened. I was created. What scares me is how many people will turn around and they'll say, I want to worship Satan. No, you don't want to worship Satan. I had someone give me a satanic Bible one time and I took it immediately and I burned it. He said, why would you burn it? Because I didn't even want to read what was written therein. And I've never read it. Do you realize that Satan wants you to believe that you are going to be gods and you are gods? I'm getting older, but the older I get, the more I realize my ineptness, my inability, and my weakness over certain things that I should not be weak over. And I weep because I'm thinking, God, help me. and be feared of. And here, this, this serpent, and when Satan comes, he comes in such subtle ways. Read the book of Job. And he comes with wisdom. He comes with power. He comes with ability. Go read the One of my favorite TV programs of all times was always Star Trek. But how many of you all know that even in Star Trek, they did everything they could to debunk the coming of Christ and call it a myth? That was in Star Trek. For God doth know. Can you imagine God? And I had this asking me one time. Why did God allow why did God You know the reality is many what people are saying is isn't God to blame for our failures? If you and I had been in the garden we probably would have made a beeline straight to that tree. We 
before we were even, I mean, as soon as we were created, we're like, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I'm going to go right for that tree. So you can take the name of Adam out and put your own name in. If Eve is your cause, then if you're a woman, go ahead and put your name in place of Eve and think you would have been subtly approached by Satan as well. Look what else it says. All those words that were given were enough that when the woman saw that the tree was good. <laughs> Do you realize evil tastes good in the moment that you have the evil? And the whole time Satan is going, I got you. I got you. I've got you. If I was to go around the room and say, what evil would you like to be exposed right now? How many of us would know what that evil would be? How many of us would like to have our name written in the scriptures as the failure that we are? But the reality is, no matter how you look at it, she ate of the fruit, Adam ate of the fruit, and sin entered into the world. And the entire time, Adam and Eve was like, how do we... Do you realize there was no shame? They walked around naked. And the whole time they walked around naked, they were not ashamed. Why? Because there was more than innocence. There was sinlessness. But soon as sin entered into the picture, they realized they were naked. That is the first sign. You know, none of us can actually hold on to seeing nudity without having our minds drift. What did Jesus say to the wicked, wicked ruler, religious rulers of the time? If you have thought it in your mind, you've committed adultery. It's sad, isn't it? And yet, I have the responsibility of the Word of God in my own hands to declare unto all of you all the righteousness and Satan doesn't want me to preach this Word of God. Satan doesn't want the truth of God. But I want to show you something. And this here's something that's amazing. I want to end on a high note. I do not want to end giving Satan any more praise than is there. I want us to take our Bibles and let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 2. And I want to show you that Satan is powerless, but the hope of Christ is real. And this is what I glory in. We read verse 1 and 2, and notice that, first of all, 
in verse 3, And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto a city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever looked at this, but it's very rough terrain. There's a movie uh, that kind of depicts it. And it, again, we don't know if Mary rode upon a burrow. Most likely she did, but we don't know that for certain. And the Jordan River is too shallow to have any kind of barge or boat. And because of Samaria, which would have been the flatland, because there were Samaritans there, Jesus, most likely Joseph and Mary, would have come down the roughest way possible. And here comes Joseph and Mary, but look what it says in verse 5. To be taxed with Mary, espoused wife, being great with child. In other words, she was very pregnant. Why do you think Satan did this? In Satan's glee, Satan had decreed it, he was fulfilling scripture. And so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now this, this is a beautiful part. There was a simple message given to pastures pastor of the fields. They were called shepherds. Look what it says. And there were in the field, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Boy, that must have been a scary sight. And, he cut, and, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, I haven't come to consume you. I come to bring you good news. Fear not. For behold, I bring you Euangleon. Euangleon. I bring you good news, good tidings. Of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you, oh, let this sink in. Let this sink in. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, and I love this passage, and suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God! In the highest, and on earth, peace, good tidings towards men. Messiah has come. Messiah has come. You know, it's amazing. In the next few months, we're going to hear all kinds of Christmas music that's going to be played. But I can go back to the scripture, and I can hear the angels cry out, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill. Satan, your days are numbered because Messiah has come. You don't believe me? 
it was then it came to pass that as soon as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, and the Lord hath made known to us. They wanted to see for themselves. That's amazing. And then Simeon, what did he cry out? I have seen. And Mary and Joseph took this all in. I could give you more. And my, matter of fact, my notes probably have not ended yet. But may I point this out to you? Yes, Satan has brought evil into this world. Jesus brings salvation. We have the message of hope. And so everywhere we go, we should declare to everyone we come in contact with, do you know? Do you know? Because Satan has a little power. But we serve all power. The power of God to redeem even me. Father, again, I want to thank you for this message. And I pray that, Lord, you will help me to present this in such a way that it would be found simplistic and in its presence. Lord, let us never worship Satan or give too much attention to him, but let us always think upon Jesus Christ. And of everything that was taught today, Lord, may we remember that we are redeemed not because Jesus stood against Satan, but he came to redeem us in spite of Satan's clutches upon us. And we have been delivered like the demonic man of the Gadarenes, like the thief upon the cross, like the Philippian jailer and so many more. We have been made to see Christ and him, and him crucified. So guide us, dear Father, and help us to understand the things that you have for us. Guide us in the conclusion of this service, and we will rejoice in thy name, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Greg, do you have a song for us?